0: Welcome to the NCO Journal Podcast, where we explore NCO professional development. This is a podcast series where we discuss published articles with authors and provide a forum for the open exchange of ideas, information, and solutions. I'm your host, Chago Zapata, Managing Editor of the NCO Journal. With us is Sergeant Class Osvaldo Equite, NCOIC of the NCO Journal, and Staff Sergeant Brandon Cox, Senior Editor. Today we discuss the article, 10 Things, with incoming command sergeant major David Vowell, 2-6 Cavalry, 25th. Combat Aviation Brigade, and Captain Ethan Carmack, Deputy Support Operations Officer, 82nd Combat Aviation Brigade. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Sergeant Major, could you please tell us a little bit about
1: yourself? Yeah, uh, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, Thanks for having me uh, on the podcast this morning. So my name is Command Sergeant Major David Vowell. I've been in the Army for 22 years. I'm a Black Hawk uh, mechanic and crew chief by trade, 15 Tango. I'm have four kids. I just recently completed a PCS uh, to Hawaii, coming from the 82nd, and I've pretty much been stationed in almost you know across the across all the major divisions from you know Alaska and Fort Bliss, Fort Campbell, you know 82nd at Fort Liberty, and then now I'm coming in. I'm um, the incoming Command Sergeant Major, getting ready to take over a 26 Cavalry in the 25th uh, Combat Aviation Brigade here in Hawaii.
0: Thanks, Sergeant Major. So it's called Ten Things. And I know that you you initially started out as five things. Tell us how it evolved into this ten things you wish you knew.
1: You know this this was a project that started out with five things. You know it was a, a writing prompt that Sergeant Cox had given to me, and you know, kind of a, more of like a like a challenge just from our previous conversations, and uh, and I couldn't. Basically, I just got into the zone of, of writing and talking about it, and it just morphed into five. It's at the end, you know, I kind of make it, or sorry, morphed into 10. It, You know, I kind of joked about it at the end of the of the article, but this was, I talked to a lot of people too. I just wanted to, just to get other people's opinion before I kind of formulated mine. I didn't want to jump into, you know, what I thought I should know when I was a sergeant, but what I, what, what it started from was, you know, if you were shaking someone's hand and they just got promoted to sergeant and you had just a few seconds, you were, you know, waiting in line to shake their hand to congratulate them for getting, becoming an NCO. You know, what's something that you would tell them, right? Um, and that's, that's, that's where, the, like, the bolded, you know, comments came from of, like, this is the thing I'm going to say to this person very quickly. Uh, and then just kind of an explanation behind it. So I'm curious,
2: what is that one thing sergeant major that you now tell people when they first get promoted to E5?
1: it's different I think now for me as a, as a command sergeant major. So not to give you the, that challenging answer or to sure. not answer your question. Right. Um, I get the opportunity to have more time with people because I can say, come to my office and have a talk with me. Right. Sure. I'm not just at that ceremony just, just to shake their hand and, and, and say that one thing as a, as a NCO, you know, core, right. We all stand there for each other. If I, I guess, so if I was a, you know, a Sergeant and, And, uh, you know, but maybe for someone I didn't know that well, and it was just that one thing. And and funny that you say it because when I got promoted to sergeant, there was a staff sergeant that gave me advice and it's, I think it's number eight on my list, but it's the, it's the really first piece of advice I got. And he said, pick and choose your battles. And basically not every hill is worth dying on. And, you know, that's really all he said to me. And I think it took me, you know, probably 15 years to understand what that really meant. Um, not everything is, you know. Some, sometimes it's just okay to grin and bear it, or, or just to get things done. But you know, pick pick and choose your battles because there's just some things out there that are that deserve more of your time and effort. Not everything is going to get 100 of your of your attention.
0: Now, now going into the first one, let's let's kind of go down the line. We'll we'll pick up on number eight uh, a little bit later here. But let's let's talk about uh, it's okay to make mistakes. Is there a specific story or a specific reason why you picked that you know uh, wh- why you say that i mean what's what's the what's the story behind that?
1: I think that's just in general you know everyone's me i mean and anybody else can can chime into this too but terrified of making a mistake because you have to in today's day and age on an NCOER, you have you know most qualified highly qualified qualified not qualified and everyone's terrified that they're not going to get most qualified or, you know, qualified means you're a bad person somehow, some way, you know, and I don't agree with that, but it's kind of, if you make one mistake, it's almost the, the, the culture in some organizations is that that one mistake is unrecoverable from. And so you just have to put up a fake, you know, persona that you're a perfect person all the time. And um, that's, I don't think it's okay to, I guess, to perpetuate that type of behavior, especially as a leader. And it's okay to let people know that they can make a mistake because then they're just not trying. And and it's important to note that I'm not really talking about, you know, getting a DUI, right? Or, or you know, treating soldiers badly. That's not the mistakes I'm talking about. It's it's actually trying to get out there, getting stuff done and, and doing it wrong, you know, and you know, basically trying trying to do things the way you're supposed to do, but but making a mistake a mistake along the way uh, to doing it right. You know, uh, it's okay to try new things and 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 do things you know that you're not used to doing. Don't be afraid if that makes sense.
3: Yeah, we we see a lo- we see this a lot with uh, younger NCOs, right, or newly promoted NCOs. That the uh, they're so afraid of making a mistake, or 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 you know that it's kind of stifles initiative. It, it prevents people from taking action at that at some point, and that's kind of even worse than than trying something and maybe just you know moving along from it and learning or making mistakes or adjusting. Um, yeah, so I I found that that that's an, a very interesting one. It's very on point for for young NCOs. You know, that
0: kind of takes me back to to. Uh, so major. I was in the Marine Corps, so uh, you know my experience is a little bit a little bit different than y'all's, but it's you know a lot of things are are right right there. You know. Uh, but I remember we when I was with the Eleventh uh, Marine Expeditionary Unit, we you know the 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 colonel put put the young young soldiers, young Marines, in, in my case, the young Marines in charge. So there was a young lance corporal, corporal in charge of each section. S one, S two, S three, you know, all of them down the line. And I thought that was that was interesting because they were they were allowed to run the section and make the mistakes they needed to make, and they and they got a chance to to learn from them. Uh, so I think that that's it's important that that NCOs that soldiers in general know that that, that you know making a mistake that is that it's okay to make mistakes, uh, but the important thing is you learn from them and you don't repeat them. So, uh, Cam, you got anything you can chime in on this? On number one on the list.
4: Yeah. Hey, my name is Kevin Carmack. I didn't think I got the chance to introduce myself. Um, My name is Kevin Carmack over at uh, 122 ASB over at the ASEC Cav. I got the last year of being able to work with uh, Command Sergeant Ranger Val. Uh, He was my right hand man here in the shop. And uh, I'm really glad uh, you guys invited me and he invited me to join this piece. And I got the opportunity to read his article. Um, I I personally love seven and eight, but I'm glad we're going all the way down the list. Number one, it's okay to make mistakes. I think, especially from the officer side of the house, um, at, being able to let your NCOs know, because a lot of times, like, hey, if you're a company commander or if you're an officer, you're going to be that senior raider on e uh, and They don't. They feel like, oh, shoot, I made a mistake in front of my senior raider. I've made a mistake in front of my raider. Now, it's, it's definitely going down the path that I don't want to go down. But I think it's, as officers, we just have that expectation to say, hey, uh, junior NCOs, especially when we're talking about junior NCOs in this one, you know, hey, if we're out there training, I I want you to make the mistakes now so that you don't make those mistakes later. Um, and then empower those soldiers to say, you know, hey, make mistakes now because, you know, ultimately we'll learn from those mistakes and continue to, you know, better ourselves and better the organization as a whole.
3: Yeah, and if we're if we direct anything to senior leaders, I guess it would be um, you know, assume that risk and allow your your junior NCOs or junior leaders to, to you know, take a chance and, and try something new.
0: Let's move on to number two here. Let's talk about the the need for balance.
3: Yeah, so
1: it's pretty important. Um, we most of us can talk to soldiers every single day that that don't have balance, and I think you. There's a certain time, you know, I, I don't know when it is. It's different for every person. Where you you start, you kind of start caring more about the unit than you do your soldiers, you know, or yourself or your family. And no one wants to admit that, but, you know, if you go to any office building, you know, after 1700 and, and the only parking, the only cars in the parking lot, you know, they're probably like the majors, right? The S3s, the XOs. And then every once in a while you'll see a staff sergeant or a sergeant's car there. And if you, you can find where that person is working, you know, they're, they're probably doing something that can wait till the next day. Uh, I didn't learn balance until maybe, maybe two or three years ago. And so I, you know, like I said, I had four kids, but I'm, I'm not married. Right. Um, I ended up with a a divorce after 17 years. I'm not blaming that on the army. That's uh, my, it's my fault. I, 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 own it. And it was, but there was many times where I put the army before my relationship, before my family. And there, there came a time where, you know, that that relationship had to end, and we both had to move on. And that was a learning lesson for me. And I let the army kind of dictate and control, you know, basically my entire life. And so, I've been in the army since I was seventeen. You know, I've never really had a real job interview. I, I don't you know. I don't know what life is like outside of the army. And so, when if someone, you know, before I got you know, married, I was in the army even, right? So for, for, for three years. And so um, kind of tell people like I was married to the army before I was married to my, to my previous spouse. And in that, in the article, I talk about, you know, how the army will eat you up. And that's, and that's kind of, if you're, if you're totally committed, you know, to the success of yourself and, and your soldiers and, and the army, you will break down right without any other balance without any other taking time for yourself for your self-development for the development of your family and spending time with those that you love uh, there's it it will take a toll and i just know that you know from firsthand experience unfortunately and and it doesn't have to be just a a divorce or break in marriage it can be other things too but i i know now right that it's important for you know I, i have a fiance that that PCS with me basically here to Hawaii. And, you know, she, she comes to all this, these unit events that we've had, the newcomers brief and, and the, you know, there's a, a family day. We're doing it at, at the, the gunner, a gunnery on Saturday, and she's going to come out there with me. And it's important for young soldiers, I think, to see that like a healthy, healthy relationship. And I, I fully intend for when a, a first sergeant wants to see me at 1700, um, you know weighing the pros and cons of what they want to see me for if i have a you know a, a time set up where i'm going to do something with my fiance, you know i'm going to let them know like hey i have this previous engagement you know with brie my my fiance, and and let them know that that's important to me and i also want to kind of lead from the front in that aspect as well to basically deliberately let them know that i want them to go to their to their child's soccer practice or i want them to go you know take some time because they're you know take some time and you know, and this is all all soldiers and NCOs, but take some time and and help your wife get ready for that job interview or, or your husband, you know, get ready for whatever event, you know, bring bring your your family. in. Um, just that, that balance between the army and your personal life, it, it will get out of skew really fast just because you're trying to do a good job. And and it's so hard to recover from. I mean, I had to re- do a, a, a whole reset on my whole life, basically. Uh, to to recover and, you know, and that that's going to affect me and my my kids for the rest of my life and you know and theirs and so, uh, you know, that's knowing that now and being able to talk about it openly and be transparent that like I'm a human being and I have feelings and sometimes I need to take time for myself, uh, you know, it's 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 very important and that it shouldn't just be a command sergeant major right that has the opportunity to do that and. It says a message that, that I want to spread and make sure that most soldiers or all soldiers know that uh, the way that you communicate your needs to be able to take care of yourself will truly impact like your your development as a human being and as a person.
0: Yeah, yeah. And nobody's irreplaceable too. So that means, you know, if you need to take some time to be with your family and stuff, you know, there's, there's somebody that can always step in to, to cover for you. Nobody's irreplaceable with this, this this giant machine that's the army like the mortal mortal engines uh, is um, is gonna keep going regardless so you know that everybody needs to find that time for
3: balance we talked about empowerment a little bit already uh, but maybe we can uh, focus on the the second part of that uh, third which is follow-up uh, yeah
1: that's one of my, my favorite ones there's a there's a soldier I worked with in our uh, Sasmo shop at uh, 82nd that he didn't believe in uh captain carmack what was it that he said that he uh he didn't believe when you say uh, i think it was trust but verify he thought that that was like an infringement upon his rights as a human being right that uh yeah that, oh, man. Uh, <laughs> oh, that man. basically uh trust but verify meant that you didn't trust someone right? right and so whatever right just stop using that term right um and all it means is follow up give him a task basically trust but verify to a lot of soldiers Means micromanagement, right? We all know micromanagement is a terrible term. Can't use it, Um, even though I personally believe there is probably a time for that when someone needs like really deep mentorship or coaching. But either way, uh, the follow up is what's basically it does. Like multiple things. Not only it shows them that you that you have a vested interest in what it is that they're doing, right? And that doesn't mean that you go in and yell at them, right? Uh, And because because they're doing it wrong. You're asking questions and, and you gave them a task that you trusted them to do. And then, you know, whether, depending on the task, it could be 30 minutes or a week or, or whenever it's, it's that follow-up that shows them that you still care that, that that task is important. And a method that I like to use is I like to follow up uh, in the beginning. And so, I know it sounds weird, but basically, you know, hey, Sarn Cox, you know, I I want, you know, this, this soldier had this infraction, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, I need you to, you know, make sure we do a 4856, and, you know um, you know, just basically on come back in my office on Friday and talk to me and let me know how it goes. Right. I'm not telling him how to do the counseling. I'm just, you know, letting him know that that counseling needs to be done. But, you know, I'm also saying like, right from the beginning, like you're going to come see me and then you're going to follow up and you're going to tell me how this whole story about how this, this counseling went down and that can be, you know, truck maintenance or, or you know, training someone on a, a you know, a soldier, you know, a common task, uh, whatever that needs to be. But it's not just firing and forgetting. We we all love soldiers that you can fire and forget. You know, go get this task done. You never have to follow up and you know it's done. But how many of those soldiers actually actually exist and how many of those soldiers actually complete those tasks within the left and right, like, limits of mm. ethics, right, of legal, you know, moral, and, and um, and ethics, right? And so that's – those are few and far between. And so following up is is empowerment, I think, at, without micromanagement.
3: You know what? You bring up a good point, Star Major, because some of those fire and forget NCOs, they also don't learn as much as the ones that do get the follow-up, right? Um, you know, I remember um, I remember somebody giving me a lot of tasks to do and, and they would just let me and trust me in the, to do it. But then – through that process, I'm not learning, hey, am I, am I doing this right? Am, yeah. am I supposed to be – is it this easy? Um, you know what I mean? So I think uh, follow-up is important, and it's it's probably even more important for some of those NCOs that that are kind of a fire and forget.
0: But does uh, this also lead back to your, your first point, too, that it's okay to make mistakes? And this is where you make them, where an, an NCO who follows up will see that you may make mistakes, and then he'll counsel you, mentor you, and, and show you how it's done. And now it's not affecting, you know, the mission.
2: So I think the difference with that lies within the leader, right? So how are they following up? Are they following up through that micromanagement, which people deem so terribly, right? I hate micromanagement too, but I only ever felt micromanaged by bad leaders. If someone was following up with me consistently and giving me uh, advice or even helping me with the task to try and make me better, but did it in a way that was uh, compassionate, then that was that wasn't micromanagement. That was actually following up with a leader who cared.
3: They want to develop you. You yeah. felt like you were being cared for. Exactly. And you know what? Do you know? Maybe when you're inexperienced, or maybe when you're a young CEO, you think, "Man, they're just probably just doing this because I'm young, because I'm just newly promoted." Yeah. But maybe, maybe the captain here can, can give us an example. Is this something that happens um, at the at those higher ranks with officers as well?
4: Yeah, I think for sure. I think it's more so, you know, hey, you want to empower the soldier, you want to empower the higher ranking um, officer or senior NCO. Um, but I think a lot of the times that if you empower them the correct way and not say, hey, I need you to do this, um, or like, uh, just how, how we how we go about empowering people, they honestly end up following up with you and end up, if they care about the task and, and you know that you care about the task that you set forth for them. They end up back briefing you. Uh, I think here in the shop, honestly, I think one thing that Sergeant Major and I tried to, you know, get a lot of because when you work at, you know, on a, brigade a staff, you have a lot of senior NCOs, uh, senior officers that, you know, you know, hey, I need you to execute X task, or hey, battalion um, XO, I need you to do this for um, whatever reason, or we, there's a million rabbit holes, um, but. At the end of the day, if they come back to you and they back brief you, I think that relationship has been is something that you can continue to grow. Um, you know, you got constantly people saying, hey, I need this, I need this, I need this. Everybody needs things in the Army. And back up to the top to number two, it's, it'll consume you. If you don't have that balance um, and you don't empower correctly, um, eventually, you, ha- you, you know, people start to shut down and it, it becomes too much. So I, th- I think people end up following up with you.
0: I'd like to refer this to to the uh, the command sergeant major here. The how it refers to, uh, or how you would tell it to a young, say, young corporal, or a young sergeant, somebody who just became an NCO. How would you give them this advice
1: and, and that, that short little nibble of, of information? Right. So, I, I think that it's it's it goes down to counseling. Honestly, that's probably the best way for a sergeant to empower and follow up a soldier. Developmental counseling. And, and, and you know, we do that on a monthly basis and that's a way for them to actually track and record and follow up on things that they assigned a soldier to do. So it goes more than just those basic tasks. Did, you know, do you need me to take you to the education center so we can learn about how to enroll in college? Or, you know, do you want to go with me to the auto Craft center and take the class together so we can both get our cards to learn how to do oil changes or whatever life skills that are required? Because that's still as much as people don't want to do it, um, there's a lot of a lot of young soldiers that look to their NCO in a very fatherly way, and uh, it's it's people don't I hear I've heard that before, like oh, I'm not this person's dad, and that's true, uh, or mom, for instance. But but that, that counseling is the way to get after the empowering young soldiers, you know, to get after it and and to get after trying to be the next rank, and then and then proper you know follow up throughout that month. That
3: that kind of leads us to the next point, which is, is getting as commitments versus compliance, right? It, when, when, uh, when you do that follow-up, you know, you, you, and you demonstrate that empathy, that, uh, that care, you're kind of getting commitment and, instead of just compliance. And maybe talk a little bit about that.
1: Right. So that was, we, we talked about that a lot when I was at the Star Major Academy, it seemed like every, every course we took that it always came up. And a lot of senior leaders coined that, coined that phrase. And, there's a, it's a, I guess it's a WhatsApp group, a, a leadership development group that has a few hundred people in it, uh, and what spawned off of that was like kind of like a book club, and they they picked the Three Meter Zone by retired you know Command Sergeant Major J.D. Pendry, and he had a whole section in there about commitment versus compliance. So I felt that was important to add in there because I was hearing it from you know multiple different you know directions, and you know most soldiers will do things because you tell them to, right? Most. And depending who you are, I think the senior you get when you do, when you give someone a direct task, the more senior you get, the, there's kind of the risk goes up on whether or not they actually do it or not. Um, I just say that because I know if Sarm first classes that I've worked with in the past, that, that will, that are bold enough to not do what they're told. And so, It's a that's a lack of compliance, you know, and a lack of commitment at the same time. But for a young soldier, a sergeant working with the young soldier, you know, we want soldiers to do things um, because they're, you know, because they want to, not because they they're told to. Um, And it's I forget the movie, but it was, you know, the. I want you to. I want you to do the dishes, and the guy was like, "Why do I? Why would I want to want to do the dishes?" And, uh, and that's this: the commitment versus compliance. Uh, the the quality of work is much higher for people. Uh, uh, the quality of work inside of an organization is much higher when the people that are in it are are committed versus just trying to get the job done because they're trying to leave by a certain time, right? And so, um, quality over quantity, um, and that's you're not going to get the commitment without the trust. Right. And, and all these points tie together and, you know, you can, you can sprinkle a little bit of into there, but you can't have commitment without trust. And you can get compliance just by the rank that you wear on your chest. Most of the time, uh, especially with young soldiers, but for a young Sergeant trying to get commitment from a, a brand new soldier, I, I think is relatively simple. And that's just by doing the right thing and, and being there for that soldier and, and, you know, training them and sponsoring them, and and bringing them into the fold, and being a part of their life, being committed to them, and you know, basically that that the, that young soldier will just follow in the footsteps of that sergeant, and and not because they're a sergeant, right? Everyone understands the relative authority, the you know the relative definition of authority that that NCOs have but you don't want to get looked at with contempt, you know, and I was that guy, you know, I was a sergeant that yelled at everybody because I just thought that was, I I didn't think anything. I just, that was my best way of dealing with things and and yelling is not the way, you know, it doesn't, I mean, I think it is sometimes, but it's not all the time. And, uh, you know, you can learn a way to get your soldiers to follow you. That's legal, ethical, and moral, And they're following you because of you, right? Like me, not because you're a sergeant, because of what you stand for and who you are and you represent, you know, the standing intent of the organization, you represent, you know, you follow the commander's vision and you understand what that is and you understand the role of the organization, the, the, if the soldiers are committed to you, they're going to be committed to the unit. And that just naturally inc- increases, you know, the quality of the organization's output.
3: And it probably starts with crossing your arms and then and taking your hands off your hips, uh, Captain Cormac, What do you when you read that? What, what did you take away from that?
4: When you're looking at like how you present yourself in a room, right? Um, if you're the person that nobody wants to talk to, you might be the smartest person in the room, right? But if you're the person that nobody wants to talk to, um, you're you're not helping out the organization at all. Um, I think especially when we're talking about. Um, leaders and where uh, junior NCOs, junior officers uh, can then go and approach, um, be, I think it comes down to being approachable. If you're not an approachable person, um, I don't think you're going to be able to um, get to know your organization, get to know the soldiers, NCOs, officers mm-hmm. within your formation. Um, they're not going to want to come to talk to you about you know their family life. They're not going to want to come and talk to you about, um how to progress um you know in their civilian education their military education and you know ultimately um, i think that impacts any organization that you're a part of at all levels
1: in the very situation i'm in right now i'm doing left seat life left, left seat right seat ride right, moving into a new position as a command sergeant major so everybody's new to me and i'm doing my best to Like, and I'm true and I'm honest when I, I meet someone, I'm I'm trying to shake everybody's hand and, you know, and I say things like, it's good to meet you because it is, you know, and they're part of our team and we expect a lot out of them. And so, and I, you know, I've corrected soldiers in my organization that have said, "Uh, sorry to bother you, you know, Sergeant Major, or, you know, and, and like, no, like you're not ever, ever, you know, bothering me. And it's like, if anything, I don't want to bother them because of how much they do way more work than I do, you know, and like physical labor. Right. And so they're, they're they're doing the preponderance of of the work in the organization. And so I don't want to stop them from, from doing that. And that's the whole uncross your arms and take your hands off your hips. It just means be able to, you know, to talk, to be able to talk to you. You know, there's a, I think it was general funk on his, on his uh, commanding general uh, picture with a giant smile on his face. Um, That's, Combine that with like the last few weeks I was at Fort Liberty. I walked into my ammo sections office to talk to an NCO and that NCO, the very first thing that they said was what's wrong. And it just felt horrible because there was nothing wrong. That was just my resting face. And so, uh, you know, I had to convince that person that there was nothing wrong with me. And, you know, when, when if I would have just changed my, my facial expression like purposefully, To let them know, and I I needed nothing from that interaction. I was actually going to check on them, and so that's uh, you know don't need to have soldiers not want to talk to you or approach you because because you just look grumpy, you know. And 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 I think it was a TikTok or a Facebook reel or something. Some some person. I I wish I had a better reference, but they actually found General Funk on the street, and they one of those ones where they they was a quick video. And they were like, you know, what, you know, you look, you know, he was wearing a suit, I think. And they're like, what do you do for a living? You know? And he's like, I'm a retired army general. And, uh, and, uh, anyways, you know, he was in civilian clothes and like that, that person, you know, giant smile on his face and and command photos. And then, and then on the street, right. Um, completely approachable by, by just a random civilian trying to do a a random, you know, social media video. And that, that just goes a long way when you're, when you're approachable and it, ties right back to the trust and, and empowerment and everything else because people want to talk to you. If people don't want to talk to you, then then what's then why are you even a leader? You know, I don't want to, to talk with like contempt in my voice about it. I just when I see when I see leaders you know, with their arms crossed, right, and or standing like basically standing in front of a bunch of soldiers with their hands on their hips. And I and I do it too. I catch myself doing it all the time. It's a bad habit, you know. What do you What do you do with your hands? And uh, can't put them in your pocket, Captain
4: Carmack. <laughs> and, uh, <Coup-ca->
1: and so, <laughs> <Coup-ca- Cormor
4: laughs> <denies his> accusations. <laughs> yeah,
1: and so it's it's just one of those things. But when you look at yourself in a full body mirror and just compare yourself to crossing your arms, having your hands under your hips, or even you know just standing there with your with your you know fingers interlocked, just kind of at your waist, the with your arms crossed, you. A senior NCO looks pretty imposing, you know, some more than others, but, but it's, you know, I, I want the soldiers in my organization to be able to talk to me and the, and I don't want that behavior to, to basically uh, to get out of hand, you know, where, where specialists can't talk to their sergeant because they, they feel, you know, unapproachable. And so put a smile on your face be happy to be there, you know, be happy to, to know the people that are there and, and thank them every day. You know, and, and it's, it's just important and not everything has to be bad and it's hard sometimes, but it's important to, to show that you want to be there.
0: I think also that there's the, I think young NCOs early on in their career, they think that they need to be aggressive, dominant, you know, they have to impose their will on the younger, on their, on their soldiers, uh, and that's the thing is that they. That's why it's important that I think NCOs at at, uh, at all levels they they have to they have to lead by example. So if you have a sour face, arms crossed, uh, I mean, it could be just like your your resting Grinch face, as Sergeant, Sergeant Nikita just said.
3: <laughs> well, it's the holidays, you know, your
0: yeah. <laughs> resting Grinch face. <laughs> Uh, but it, you know th- th- that's the thing. If you're doing all the things, you're empowering your soldiers. You're following up. You're showing them how th- things are supposed to be. They're gonna think they're gonna see you and and not and, and and see you more as somebody who has their arms open because of the things that you've done and how you've demonstrated and how you. They won't even see you as led. a
2: sergeant. They see you as a role model. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. If you're if you're the right role model and somebody who's not micromanaging, doing all these other things that we talked about talked about. I think ultimately, though, is that you know you want to be open for your NCOs or your, for your soldiers. You wanna you want to be approachable. You want to be a leader, um, which is everything that we're we're talking about. Is if you're a good leader, if you're a leader at all, then um, you know th- those kind of things might not be that much of a detriment. Start with
3: being a good person.
0: You, know? there you go yeah. Yeah. and just
3: care.
2: So you talk a little bit too about struggling with um, staying relevant. Um, it says you regularly attend meetings where your team challenges your technical competence. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
3: Yeah, maybe a little story about when that happened. Yeah, I mean that happens every day. <laughs> I mean I'm a Blackhawk,
1: you know, Blackhawk crew chief, right? And so now, you know, I'm in a I'm in an Apache organization. So I spent, you know, you see it with NCOs, right, where they go be a drill sergeant or a recruiter or an instructor. Instructors don't have it too bad, I think, because they. They're instructing, you know, doctrine from their field. But, you know, and and drill sergeants will always stay in touch with basic, you know, common tasks, Uh, but they lose MOS competency. But recruiters, you know, they lose both because it's not about, you know, technical competence at all. And so um, and now, like once you reach a certain level and your MOS combines with others, so like I'm not a 15 Tango anymore, I'm a 15 Zulu. And so I don't get to my technical competence what, that I that I excel at when I was a staff sergeant. I doesn't is it completely it's not completely irrelevant in an Apache organization, but it's I can't apply it 100%. And so it's important to ask questions. It's important to get in the books and read the doctrine. I mean that's what I've been doing in this time ta- this transition time for me is I'm I'm reading aviation doctrine about how a cavalry regiment fights its fight, and that's what I have to do at my level. I can understand. You know, air transport operations and, you know, how to deploy, you know, in an expeditionary environment and our different metal tasks, you know, it's, you don't want to be the person that doesn't know what they're talking about, or you go, you know, it's always a meeting, so, right, or a field environment, where you ask someone a question and they say, I don't know, or I got to get back to you, and that's just showing that you're not, not relevant. You know, why are you in a meeting if you, you know, if you don't know, like, basic information, especially like when, when your peers or, or you know people that are performing the same duties as you have those answers and you know that goes if if you can't you know play the part then people will stop talking to you and that and they will not trust you ncos are supposed to be technically incompetent uh, technically and tactically proficient and so that's you have to work at it you know and that's where it comes from you know reading doctrine and no one likes reading doctrine Except for my old boss, Major Weathers, he used to write Doctrine for a Living, and uh, he works at 82nd, and uh, shout out to uh, Major Weathers. But he uh, there's nobody likes doing that, but that's, you, you don't get better by doing things that you like to do most of the time, you know? And so you have to make a conscious effort to stay relevant for whatever that means for you, and for me… You know, especially at this stage, it's it's asking questions and, and getting involved and, and learning, opening my ears and, and letting people teach me uh, so I so I stay relevant, you know, to what's happening in my organization.
3: Yeah, and when you stay relevant, then you, you become confident, right? And so, um, you know, if, if anybody's out there struggling with confidence or, or struggling with, uh, you know, being that uh, – having that presence, right, uh, met the standard kind of NCO on presence uh, – the best way to become confident is probably which is the next point coincidentally uh is by staying relevant. What do you think, Chago? <laughs> uh no, I think
0: it's a, it's important to be uh to be confident. But I think I think we should hear from the Sergeant Major about this. Better yet, you
4: know what? I, let's let's start with uh, Captain Carmack. Yeah, you're talking about the number seven confidence, correct? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think um how you carry yourself um will largely dictate and Ha- the ultimate outcome. I think a lot of times, um, if you're confident in your decision making, you're confident in your um, ability to carry out tasks or um, take care of soldiers. Or um, you know, I was a- I was asked a long time ago um when I was I was getting ready to get selected to go to the the o- I was getting ready to get selected to OCS. Had to sit in on a board, and I was a civilian at the time, so I. Never done anything in the army. went in this board, and there's all these, you know, high-ranking officers who I thought were at the time, and you know, they're asking me all these questions. And then, you know, they asked me a, a fairly um, fairly challenging question. I don't, don't call the specifics of it, but it was. They asked me the question, and then they asked me, "Well, you know, are you sure about that?" And I said, and I kind of changed my answer. And then they're like, "So you're not sure about that." And you know, it, it, they ultimately you know expressed to me. You know, they said, "Hey, you know, no matter what decision you make, uh, be confident in that decision and stick to it, um, because you know, if you if you if you aren't going into that situation confident, um, then you, you shouldn't be entering that situation at all, right?" Um, I think I think that's kind of where I want to leave it. That it's just expressing that confidence in yourself, and then expressing that confidence in your and your subordinates, if you don't, if you don't enable them to be confident in their tasks. Um, I think you as the, the leader uh, need to need to better reorganize yourself. Uh, look internally first. Um, always. What do you think?
1: No, I totally agree, sir. I, uh, <laughs> besides the story that's in the article, because that the story that's in the article, you know, hits home for me, but two instances we you know division run yesterday for the 25th it's tropic lightning week this week so <clears throat> naturally we're doing a division run and uh you know having trouble finding people to sing cadence uh while we're out there running and I just started grabbing people out of the formation you know and I'm, I'm not the CSM yet right we're, we're fortunate where we have two two CSMs here but I just started grabbing people and sending them out there to sing cadence and uh you know I don't know how many you know, people oh, I can't do that I can't do that and I'm like hey man just Left, right, left. You know, that's all you gotta do. Just keep them in step. someone yell something, one, two, three, four, um, and get out there. And every single person that I, that I did that to, they came up with one cadence. You know, they, it might have been might have been you know a you know a, a tenth of a mile or whatever. But they, they left, right, left, right for a little bit, and then they, they came up with a few verses, and then they said that's all I got. And I was like, well, that's all I asked for. I didn't even ask for that. You did way more. Great job. You know, get back in formation. You know, and um, you know, it's just confidence. You know, and maybe next time they won't. You know, need someone like me to kind of, to kind of push them out, um, and and to to help out and and sing some cadence because that's hard. It's a hard thing to do. That uh, I think that we were a lot better at it. You know, 20 years ago than what we are today. Um, and I'm I'll sing cadence. I'm terrible at it, but but I but I get out there and and uh, and I do my best, which is all I ask anybody to do. And the the second funny thing about about confidence is a few years ago I was like in a waiting I was getting you know I went to the Audie Murphy board and uh you know sweating and and uh terrified before I walked in there and and the brigade one of the brigade CSMs that knew me and you know he sat on the board and he, he was walking through to go find his place at the table and he he said you know Sarvel why are you worried you know and I'm like what do you mean and he's like you look terrified you'll be fine You know, like, it's okay. And, uh, and I was like, okay. And then like, that's all it took, you know, and, uh, and it was fine. You know, it was all good. The the results of that day were wonderful. And, uh, it's that, that confidence that it was nice to have that encouragement, but, you know, I probably could have done that. Like nowadays I do that to myself. I put myself up because I just, you know, that those uh, words of affirmation, you know, you can give them to yourself, you know, on the side, you know. And and that's that's where this confidence comes from.
0: Uh, but let's let's go let's dive into the, the the one that you talked at the beginning of uh, of our conversation here about choosing your battles. Was well, there a specific scenario that you uh, that 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 you think about when you uh, when this point
3: comes up or when you read about this point? Is, is singing cadence one of those battles you choose to <laughs> to lose? <laughs>
4: <laughs> one of those hills he'll die on.
1: Yeah, not not on division run day I mean you know what if I if I you know if no one jumped out to seeing cadence like I would have kept doing it myself um, but uh, no that's I I always talk about I think in the article I, there was uh, I don't know if it was CQ or yeah it was CQ, something it was CQ right CQ duty, yeah you know there, there's another one that came up recently about uh, head count you know K, or uh, KP duty I think in the channel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just a bystander to it, but I, I literally said, Hey, is this what you want to fight for? Right. And it was a, it was to a first sergeant, um, about, you know, you know, arguing whether or not they had to do that or not, you know, and it's, you know, if you think about it, you know, there's no rank requirement for a food in the child, you know, you can't tell me that there's not one person, you know, that can go do that. I'll go do it. When, when I was a of my, the first sergeant of the first company at Fort Bliss, there was. They they used a lot of they used this, uh, the way they, they they talked about things was uh, building credit and cashing checks right. And so, you by doing doing good things and you built credit, but then when when bad things happened, then then uh, then they were cashing checks right. And so you didn't want to cash more checks than what you had credit for, something like that right. And um, it's just one of those things where like doing something that figuring out a way. To do something you don't necessarily want to do as a leader like can you really do it you know and if you can really do it just do it and and that's going to build you some credit you know someone's going to remember that and then and then you know you can cash that in later or you can not and just do it because you're a good person or whatever you can be the person that's always relied upon and and sometimes that that's that'll wear you out too That that has its own dangers but you know not everything is worth a fight and not everything needs a devil's advocate. Not everything needs to be argued about. You know, sometimes you just need to get it done, you know, especially when it's not something that is going to, you know, definitely not life, limb or eyesight and not, doesn't affect the unit's mission, you know, doesn't, doesn't affect certain things. Um, then just, just let it be, you know, and, uh, and get it done and realize that you got more power than what you then what you have, if you count yourself as someone that does things, someone that works, that's an extra body that you have in your organization to get stuff done. So I think we lose some of that, too. Um, or, you know, once we get promoted, we start feeling like, you know, we don't have hands anymore to do to do things. And so um, man, that's just important to talk about. It's you are gonna just if you just get stuff done, you, you'll spend less and less time arguing. You're going to be done with it probably whatever that task was and it's not worth your your mental frustration i guess
0: you know i think this one is directly tied to also to to personal life you know you're talking about balance earlier and i think it this is an important life lesson for 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 soldiers in general for people in general that you know you need to choose your battles so i think it, it dr- directly translates into into your personal life and establishing a good balance with your significant uh, with your personal life and, and work life, and your you know, and your relationship with your significant other, and I think it's important that um, that NCOs or that soldiers remember that, and you know, use that advice that you have here and, and the things that you're that you're saying and that we're all talking about, and uh, apply it to to more than just you know being a soldier, or being an NCO. Yeah,
1: definitely. I uh, one of my previous commanders, uh, Chris Best is his name, and he's not in the army anymore, but. He found this article and um, he called me or he texted me, and he said that he and he works in the corporate world now. And uh, it is you say you know it applies to your personal life, and he's basically sharing it with his his corporate team because it's he's like it's not a military thing like it totally applies to us here you know in, in his setting as well. And so, um, you know, it's just one of those cool things, right? Where where it's it, it is army specific, but you know, it doesn't take much to kind of translate to how any one of these points, you know, you can pick and choose your battles at home too, you know, like, like, and is it, is it worth it or not? Or is it, is it okay just to, you know, make your significant other, you know, feel better or whatever, you know, like what's, that's what it is, right? If it's, what's, is the juice, is the juice worth the squeeze?
0: Yeah. That's uh so that's a great point. Uh, let's, let's, uh, what about you, uh, Cam Carmack, you, you want any, uh, you want to contribute to this part of the, of the I'll of well, tell a? you
4: what, Lieutenant, like Lieutenant Carmack, I was, I was, this was one of my biggest professional developments that I've gone through in the past, um, I'd say year, honestly. Um, and it was it stems from my a previous commander I had Captain Chadman, um, he's out there at User Pack now probably down the road from Sergeant Major Bell, and um, he really just it I was down to I'd become that I'd become that lieutenant in my my last unit that was so um, I'd been there for a while I was an XO for like eighteen months, and I felt like I knew more than um, a lot of the newer you know officers who were either coming out of triple c who were on staff telling you know me what to do when i'd been in the organization longer you know and they they just barely gotten there and i'm you know i'm sitting there i'm like you were you were a lieutenant like just a month ago and now you're telling me what to do and you know it just it it never one it never ended well for me because i was still a lieutenant at the the day um but at the at the same time i think i i think i got to the point where um i didn't really realize um you know what they were trying to, what they were trying to get me to do, um, because you know what the impacts of that are. Uh, because you know, you know, not only are you, if you're dying on every hill, um, you're not going to be there for the next battle. Uh, I I think that's I think that's what what I ultimately came to is, you know, pick and choose your battles because the battles that you need to win are the ones that you need to, that the ones you need to recognize which ones you need to win and which ones are, you know. Not worth fighting.
0: Did you have something you wanted to add, Sergeant Cox?
2: Uh, no, I had a story earlier. I don't know if it's good for the podcast, but, <laughs> but uh, I d- I'll, I'll mention it. So there was uh, during your uh, Choose Your Battles, I was going to tell you a story. So we were on deployment, and there was an E-7, and I've almost never said no to, you know, like a direct order, like you need to go do this. But he came up to me. He was from maintenance platoon. Uh, I think we were working on, this is Apache's, so Romeo. And he came up to me and he said, hey, I need you to fix this tip cap on the main rotor blade. And I was like, well, what's wrong with it? And they're like, well, it's dented. And then I go over there and I find out that they were ground guiding the Apache into the clamshell and hit the tip cap off of the side of the hangar. I was like, are you kidding me? Right? And then my <laughs> NCO comes over and he's like, what happened? He's like, yeah, they hit it off the hanger. I don't know. So they're like, yeah, we need you to fix it. But because we already have the phase bird in here, because we're already working on a phase bird. He's like, can you just fix it while it's still on the aircraft? And I was like, you know what? No, I can't. And I was like, because it's difficult, right, to be on a scissor jack trying to fix a tip cap, which where you need leverage and stuff to try to get this thing off. You to sand it and everything else. And I told him no, even though I probably, I, inside I knew I probably could. I haven't done it before, but I knew I could. And he fought me, so I went to PC and I said, hey, I can't do that. And technically in the book, it's a Romeo job. So I'm doing a favor for you guys. Well, that bit me in the ass because later they did actually take the blade off. I fixed it. it took me, you know, a couple hours. I gave it back to him, But, like, that NCO, like, never came to us ever again. I almost completely ruined that connection between the maintenance platoon, one of the maintenance platoon
1: sergeants in our shop stubborn yeah i mean it is it's a good story though because it's um it shows it shows your confidence you know and and um i have like the exact identical story where i was driving the tug uh and uh on a Blackhawk, and i was i was the one driving the tug and one of the ground guides let the rotor blade smash into into a connex or something and uh Mm -hmm. and (laughs) that happens often i think almost anybody's been aviation for a while probably has a similar story but uh you no, know, I mean, it's one of those things where you you weren't wrong, right? Like, you, you you weren't ethically wrong, legally wrong, morally wrong, you know? And so if that if you lost a relationship, it's just because that guy had angst, you know? Really, and today, you know, if you were to find that person today, you know, he'd probably laugh about it, you know? And they'd probably, probably admit to it, like, they're just being, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, childish, you know, or, or petty, you know, because we know it's it's not right to cut corners in army aviation or anywhere really i mean there are there's a time and place but right. but you know it's they trusted you to do a job and you went to production control and you said hey this is where i stand on this and i you know and they' and they agreed with you right. and so it's you know that that probably molded you you know and you remembered that story and and you've probably told it before you know and uh and if you were and, and you're a sheet metal guy sheet metal mechanic and so If you were to go to the next, you know, sheet metal, um, you know, 15 golf AIT graduation and be the speaker, you know, you could probably tell that story um, where you had empathy, you know, to them and say, you're going to have situations like this and you're going to have to choose, you know, am I, can I get it done, you know, for the, you know, for the better? It wasn't, it wasn't, if you said yes to him, it wasn't for him. It was for the unit, you know, because, you know, it is, you need the aircraft back, but be, if he would have acted in a different way, you might have said yes.
2: Yeah. You know? Because, I mean, you know, he came to us like with a rush. Like, hey, yeah, this got screwed up, but it's got to fly. Like, we got to go. And it's like,
1: okay, well. And they listen to you. And uh, what if he would have showed up with a case of ribbits? you know? Yeah. Probably,
2: that's <laughs> the different. To... Yeah, I used to get paid in Red Bulls to fix stuff all the time. Hey, man, I stepped on this panel. My bad.
3: Here's a Red Bull. Yeah. <laughs> but, Sometimes uh, that's so, the way things get done, yeah, man. Hey. Oh, that's a great point. That's a great way of putting it too. Um, I like that uh, the, the use of that analogy there. Um, time management, time management versus people management. Uh, you know, what are you? What are your thoughts on uh, on that uh, section there, where we're talking about time management versus people management?
4: I think if we manage our personnel correctly, a lot of times you'll find you'll have a lot more time on your hands for things that are. Uh, More important. Um, I think if you I think if you're managing your systems and processes the way they're supposed to be managed um, and not micromanaging, uh, but giving clear guidance and direction, um, especially from the officer perspective to your, you know, NCOs, um, if you're giving clear guidance to those to those people and, you know, hey, you're a junior NCO giving clear guidance to a soldier and then, you know, sometimes, you know, everybody needs to a little bit of, you know, a little bit of shut up in color. But at the same time, and giving them that that why um, helps them, you know, like we talked about before, you know, helps them buy and helps them, you know, be committed versus you know compliant, right? And I think ultimately how we manage our personnel affects our everyday life because it affects our overall time management, right? So if we're sitting there, you know, um, doing things that we expect, uh, doing things for doing things personally that we would expect, you know our subordinates to be doing and not managing them correctly um, ultimately impacts, you know, know, yourself and you'll be at work later and impacts your family life. And, you know, a lot of these end up bleeding into each other that we talked about before. So I I think people management is a, is a huge skill um, that you do not ever really master. Um, I think you can always continue to progress in people management.
3: Yeah. One of the things that I think uh, senior leaders uh, should take an opportunity to do and, and that's kind of impart this information to their their junior junior NCOs or, or soldiers. You know especially those that with combat experiences that you know they have to kind of I, I like painting the picture and saying that in, in combat, this is you're gonna feel this, right? shortage of personnel and equipment, um, time. Uh, you, you're gonna experience a lot of these things, and so it's better that you learn how to deal with them now. When you're in a garrison environment, when you're in training, then um, trying to learn that skill or, or, or those low scoping skills or how to, you know, do more with less when you're when your life depends on it, when the life of of, of your, your peers depend on it. And so um, I think that's one of the biggest things that we can do as senior NCOs is just kind of just put that in that perspective of, uh, you know, we're we're a combat, right? Like we're an army that fight and fights and wins wars um Keep that in mind when when you're bringing up these you know questions of I don't have enough people I don't have enough uh, equipment to do this this or this or that
0: you know there's never enough the, the there never will stuff. be yeah mm-hmm. yeah uh, but we, we that, always make it work yeah so and
1: that's the important thing to, that's the important thing to remember you know we always we always make it work and you can either do it with a smile on your face. Knowing it, you know, or just complaining the whole time, you'll feel a lot better if you just commit to it.
0: All right, so let's let's dive into number ten, which you know we're we're at the tail end here, but nobody likes a know-it-all. I, I just I just <laughs> like that. It's like nobody likes a know-it-all. Tell tell us about that, Sergeant Major.
1: Yeah, that uh, it's just I don't know. i seniors to me, you know, that you you know, you find out some new information, whatever it is, and you're excited about it because it's new to you. It probably affects the mission or affects the unit or affects someone's life, whatever. I mean, basically run over there, tell them, you know, and uh, this has happened to me from being a private all the way to being a, a command sergeant major. And, uh, you know, Hey, this thing just happened. You know, here's this info. And the very first thing out of their mouth is, Oh, I know that already. <laughs> and it's just deflating, you know, it's yeah. like, Oh, why did I even waste time talking to you? You know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, what are you, what are you going to do about it then? You know, like that's, that's back in the day, you know, I would just kind of eat it and be like, well, wow. You know, I, I guess, I guess that person gets information faster than me. Um, but now, now i I kind of, you know, have some angst about it because it's like, well, if you knew about it, why didn't you take action? You know? And especially if it's something that was actionable and you know, out of all the different types of power, he talks about it in army doctrine, but information power is a real power. Um, and nobody should hold on to it. And so, and some some folks, that's all they got. You know, that's that's all they have is information power. And it's okay to to let them have it. Um, doesn't mean they're in charge or they're the, the commander, but it's okay to learn. And so, it's just something that I don't feel like I. And maybe I I have done that to people before. I hope I haven't. But now, when I ask people questions or they come to tell me information, if it's something I know already, um, I, you know, I just I just take it. And I and I'm glad to know about it. And the only time I ever really kind of admit that I knew it already is if what they're telling me is incorrect, you know, and I don't really say like, hey, you're wrong. It's more of like, well, you know what to add to what you said? Like, I learned this thing, too, you know, and that way you're not completely you know, dismissing what they're saying. Uh, I think it goes back to the the uncrossing your arms and, and, you know, get your hands off your hips conversation as well. It, it when you just shut someone down, you're like, "Yeah, I know that." You're just becoming unapproachable. You know uh, what? What do you think, Captain Carmack?
4: Yeah, I'd say uh, if we're looking at people who think they're know-it-alls, um Major is the one who knows it all. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sergeant Major. Sergeant Major. Honestly, he came into when he was here. He got here a couple months before I did, and uh, I think admitting that you don't know at all um first and foremost um i think is the first step um and it makes you more I, mean, I think it makes you a lot more approachable as well i think i don't know how many times i heard sergeant major val mentioned you know in the shop you know, I've, you know i'm the bow sergeant major I, I don't really think about the bow and i'm just a blackhawk mechanic but i'm i'm gonna learn and make myself better and you know if you know a lot of a lot of times i think we we see senior um you know, NCOs or officers or whoever, we see the rank on their chest and we see all these accomplishment, accomplishments and maybe they don't know it all, right? So how can, how can you as the, the junior NCO, um, not necessarily, I don't think maybe not necessarily educate them, because you know, I don't think it's, that's the correct way of, of, of phrasing it, but how can you help them understand so that you can better, you know, better the organization? Um, I think if we if we all take a step back and admit that we hey we don't know it all, um, and say, Hey, how how does this affect you? And hey, this is how it affects me. Um let's 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 continue to go down down that down that path. Um but I think, you know, along with Star mater's um, point of, you know, someone coming up to you I remember being in being in the talk. I was in the talk one time and you know, I came back from a saint that I had and I told my commander something and he's like yeah i know because he had you know just got briefed something very similar and you know you walk in and it's 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 very deflating it really is because you walk in and you know someone says yeah i already know that so it, it kind of deflates that it deflates you a little bit and you're like hey what's what's my purpose then you know you know you're coming back you're excited to give information you know you're you're doing that thing where you know you are giving feedback and bottom-up refinement and you trying to uh, i think it goes back to uh what was it? The uh, one we had earlier, we were talking about following up. You know, you come back to follow up about something important that you were some information that you got. And, you know, you just kind of get shot down. You don't you don't want that feeling. Um, so don't if you don't like that feeling, I don't think it's important to I think it's important that you don't give that feeling to your, to your subordinates as well, because they're fired up about that information. You know, be like, hey, that's awesome. They told me the same thing. We're on the same page. Let's 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 get after it.
0: That kind of leads to one of the things that Sergeant Major said when he when he when you were talking to Sergeant Major about your intro when you introduced yourself uh, where you uh, you said you don't you don't know a, a lot of you don't know some things here about the the, the new uh, unit that you checked into and you're asking questions you know if it, it, how easy would it be for Sergeant Major to, to command Sarge Major's walk in and uh, and everybody's going to assume that he knows it all but he doesn't and if he acts that way then you may be able to you may be look foolish later on at some point because of things that you know that you assume or whatever. So I think it's important that not only that people don't like know-it-alls but don't act like a know-it-all. If you don't know something, I don't think there's anything wrong with you know asking questions uh and and learning. You know, that's again you're you're setting an example as as well. Uh Sergeant major you walk in there you start asking questions. They they're knowing they know that okay, first of all he he's he's curious. Second of all, he wants to know what we're doing here. And, and third, he's, he's not afraid to, 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 to ask for help. And I think that's important that you demonstrate that the fact that you're doing that demonstrates, I think that it's okay for them to do the same thing.
1: I mean, I don't know if that's the most important thing on this list. They all, they all tie together. Like we've mentioned that more than once, but I, I want soldiers to be, you know, confident and empowered and and all that and, and don't want to take anything away from them and give them opportunities because they got to take my spot. You know, I need, you know, the army, not me, the army needs specialists to become sergeants and staff sergeants. And, you know, some of those folks that go be warrant officers and, and some will become sergeant first classes and some, you know, some will become commissioned officers. And there's so many, you know, points where you can apply influence on someone's, you know, development throughout their career that how many people got it out of the army because someone didn't let them tell a story about something they learned or someone shut them down. And, you know, information power is great, but, you know, it's just let them say it, you know, it's, it's uh, later today, you know, I, I got I'm going to have a meeting with one of the troops and that we have a thing in the aviation called the aviation maintenance training program or AMTP and I've read the doctrine, the .dot seven one, and I and I know what it is. I, I've never personally been in charge of it because I've been, you know, doing different jobs, and I haven't had mechanic. I haven't been a first line supervisor of a mechanic for for quite a while. But I, I know what it is. But my conversation with that sergeant first class, he manages the program in the squadron. It's literally going to be, hey man, like teach me how you do this, you know? Um, teach me how you manage this, and and that's a way of to show them that like. You know, yeah, I, I know what the doctrine says, but I don't know his program because, you know, the there's an art and a science to everything. And so, you know, the science is the doctrine. You know, this is what we expect. And then the art is how that science first class applies it. And not everybody knows the art. And that's an obvious thing. And so just be open to it, you know, and and don't ever shut anybody down just because, you know, something that they're excited to tell you. Uh it's just – it is – deflating is probably the best word. You want to keep people on the Army? Make them want to be here, you know?
0: Thank you for joining us, gentlemen, and thank you to our audience. Remember to put your knowledge to the page, submit articles, and get published with the NCO Journal. And don't forget to check out our webpage and follow us on social media. We'll catch you next time on the NCO Journal Podcast.